Well, hello. Uh, I wanted to touch base on a couple of things before I get to the message. One is that at Winter Jam last night, we were Harold Fisher and I were able to go, and um, they had a time of encouragement for pastors and youth pastors. And it was uh, very cool to hear uh, what's going on with the young adult, young uh, young people, youth uh, generation right now. There was one of the guys who was preaching, his name was Nick, and, and he is part of uh, a movement that recently had an event in Washington, D.C. that had 400,000 young people attending it. And I think it's easy in our current day and age to kind of look at this next generation and go, oh, well, they're, they're not passionate about their spiritual journey, and I think that's wrong. And what I would love for us to do especially here at Arbor Point, is look for ways that we can build up and support um, the next generation because there is something happening. God is moving in and, and among uh, that generation, and it's a powerful thing, and we want to be a part of that. And so look for ways that you can pour into our youth, pour into our children, but pour into our young adult population especially. So did you know that we spend a lot of time with media. I was looking at, a, at this survey on the slide, and according to eMarketer, uh, we spend over 12 hours per day engaged in some form of media. Now, that includes multitasking, so if you're on your phone watching the TV, that would be counting two different devices. Um, so it's not like 12 out of the 24, plus we got to sleep and, and that kind of thing. But we spend a lot of time with media, and the impact on our lives is, is really significant. Um, I looked at those statistics, and at first it's kind of, it takes you back, right? It's like half of a day we spend on media, and then I got thinking, and, and it's true. We listen to our radio in our cars. We watch TV. We work on laptops, sometimes at the same time with our tablet going as well. We engage in significant social media activity on many devices. I mean, we've got Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat um, Instagram, and, and, and who knows what else is in the pipeline on the way. Um, but there's so much going on in the world of so, social media. And we even find time once in a while to read a newspaper or a magazine. And in the midst of all of that media, I have to wonder, where's reading the Bible? Where does that fall into it. We're studying God's Word. Now, I do understand, you know, technology will either dictate to us or we get to dictate to technology. In other words, we can leverage technology for our own benefit or technology is going to leverage us and, and we're just going to kind of follow that path wherever it leads. And I would say that we need to learn how to leverage our technology because you, could, you know, there's so many Bible apps and research apps and so many things that we can do with technology in the church but too often we're letting it dictate time frames to us. See, we need to make time for study. Make time to seek God. And if we're struggling with that, then we need to really examine that because we must learn to do that, to be disciplined in our study process. The passage for this morning is out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you know this is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture, but verse 2 is this. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. So like when technology tries to pull you into what, where the places it wants you to go, do not conform to that. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's very clear. This passage gives us real clarity that we as people are transformed by something very specific, the renewing of our minds. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, studying the Bible is not some habit we should have, but it should be a transforming power in our lives. Studying Scripture should be transformative. It gives us a foundation in our faith. As believers, it's not only important to know what you believe, but you must know why you believe it. Not just what, but why. To be inquisitive. Study accomplishes that. Now, many of us, and me included, were raised in churches that had this saying, and it's a saying I'm not particularly fond of, as you'll see. But it is this. It's the Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. And that would end any questioning. But wait, I don't understand. The Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. But we're saved by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'm supposed to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Who's, who's, who's responsible for it? Is God or am I? And the answer to that is yes. But how do you deal with that when, you, when the answer is the Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. See, that was one of my struggles. You know, any of you who know me know that I have a lot of questions. And, and there were many of the adults in my life back then weren't very interested in a discussion. And in this age, with all the information that's out there, questioning and challenging is the norm. And by the way, I think that's a very, very, very good thing. I think that God can handle it. I, I don't think I don't fear that God can't handle questions. I don't fear the Bible being challenged. I don't fear those things. God can handle questions. Will has continues to handle those questions. Not only that, I think that the Bible says that I believe it that settles it is actually a cop out for folks that are unwilling to delve deep into what scripture says. If you have questions, uh, you know, for those guys, it's like, well, I don't want to even, I don't know the answers to that, but I can't let you know that I don't know. So in that case, I'm just going to, the Bible says that I believe it, that settles it and walk away. Let me say this for you if you're here. If you have questions here at Arbor Point, welcome. You are amongst friends. We may not have all the answers, in fact, I can guarantee you we won't have all the answers, but we love the questions. If you've got a question in your head, feel free. Share, the, share those things and, and, and let's delve into it. We're talking about an infinite God beyond our comprehension. So no, we're not going to be able to understand all of it. But we can understand some. And we need to engage. We love questions. Bring your questions. 
And by the way, if you've got a question and you're like, I don't want to ask it because I don't want to look like I don't know what I know, uh, just know that if you have that question, somebody else probably does too. It's okay. You're helping somebody else by asking those questions. And by the way, study is how we experience freedom in the Christian life. We're, we're in the pursuit of the truth. And Jesus clearly tells us that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free in John 8.32. That freedom comes through going deeper and deeper in our faith. And that takes questions, by the way. Study is integral to that freedom and essential to our growth. Many are confused about God and about Jesus Christ because they're just not aware of the truth. And if we don't know about the truth ourselves, and we can't be very successful at it, or tell someone else about it. Study is critically important. Knowing God is critically important. Do you know what's in your Bible? Do you know who this Jesus is in his life and the miracles that he did and the, and the amazing investment he, he gave into his disciples and into his core group of James, uh, John, and Peter, his mentor group? And his 12 were his grow group, his small group. And the bigger group was church. It's a great discipleship model of mentoring and small group and church as we celebrate the freedom that comes from Christ. Do you know about this Jesus? Do you know about the Apostle Paul? Did you know that he wrote some letters? Wrote letters to churches? Different churches. He wrote different letters. What was that about? You write one thing to Corinth and another thing to Galatia and another thing to the church at Ephesus. What was going on with all that? Do you know about Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, the Old Testament guys, the patriarchs? And yes, study the Old Testament. What about Noah? You ever heard of him? Or Shepherd David, maybe King David. Scripture is filled with a message from God about his love for us about his desire for relationship, about his connection to his people. It's filled as well, though, with challenging passages that require us to go beyond superficial understandings of the Creator. If you're going to spend some time in the Old Testament, you're going to bump into some stuff that's really hard. Really hard. And we've got to go deep if we're going to understand any of it. Besides the superficial. But here's the thing. Through it all, as we study, as we get closer to God, as we know God better, we're going to find ourselves depicted in, in Scripture somewhere. God consistently uses the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. What that means is no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, good or bad, you're likely to find someone in Scripture that was similar and God used them to accomplish His will. He uses us. He, he, he grabs hold of our life and he goes, I know that, that you don't think you can, but you can with my help. You can if you'll let me to work, work through you. And I can tell you these things and you can go, well, Mike told me that and he wouldn't lie to me, so it must be true. And, and, and I'm doing my best never to lie to y'all. Just let me be clear about that. But I'm fallible. I'm a human being. I can sometimes be off target. And not only that, me telling you doesn't provide the depth of discovering your story for yourself. When you're in Scripture and, and you're reading through and you, and you bump into, for me, when I, when I bumped into Romans chapter 7 where, where it talks, Paul is, has wrote, 
that which I would do, I won't do, and the things I don't want to do, these things I keep doing, and I'm like, that's me when I was active in my addiction. That's me. And it was powerful and transformative, and it renewed my mind. This is the difference between superficial understandings and understanding at depth. They're very different. And sometimes when we study, we'll even get an aha. Oh, wow, that's cool. It's big and tangible. And we love that when it happens. But the benefits of the Word of God are, are more like when you take vitamins, right? Because people who regularly take vitamins do so because of the long-term benefits, not because every time they swallow one of the pills, they feel a new strength surging through. Oh, that was an awesome vitamin C tab, man. That 500 milligram vitamin C rocked me. It's awesome. I got energy. I'm ready. Send me out to save people. I've got vitamin C. That's not really what happens. They've developed a habit of consistently taking vitamins because in the long haul, Vitamin supplements are going to have a beneficial effect on their physical health, resistance to disease, and general well-being. It enhances their life, helps them to grow and, and, and to be healthy. The same is true of reading the Bible. At times, that we're going to have that sudden and intense impact, and those are great. Love it when we get those ahas. But the real value lies in the cumulative effects that long-term exposure to God's Word will bring to our lives. We stay in the Word, and, and some days we, we can read the same thing. And then read it another day, and its same words say something very different. God's Word is alive. And so we need, if we want to go deeper... Remember the first week of this series, Richard Foster was talking about superficiality, the curse of superficiality, that, that right now in the church we, we're too superficial. And he made the assertion that the church doesn't need more intelligent people or more gifted people. It needs, people, it needs deeper people, people who have depth in their life. And, and study is one of the ways that we get depth in our life. And in the, in the text, Foster outlines four things for us, four basic steps of study. They're this, they're repetition, concentration, comprehension, and reflection. Repetition, concentration, comprehension, and reflection. See, repeating anything is a surefire way, way to learn and it helps us. It definitely affects the mind. It creates an in, ingrained habit of thought when we continue to work on stuff. So why in school, when we memorize stuff, we repeat it and repeat it, and then we, we re remember it. And even if you don't necessarily believe it, after a while, your mind is still affected. Let me, let me though, give you an example of, of, from, 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 from recovery about doing the next right thing, right? So... We have a thing called fake it till you make it because a lot of times people get into recovery and they're like, I don't think I can stay clean and sober. I don't think I can do that, but I'm going to show up and they'll hear that, those words, fake it till you make it, which really means keep doing the next right thing and just you know, stay clean and sober and keep showing up, keep doing the next right thing, keep doing the next right thing. 
And an amazing thing happens over time. They begin to understand that, hey, I can do this. And then they, they get that, I will do this. And before you know it, they are doing it. So where they started out unclear and unsure by repeating successful behavior, by repeating things that were positive for their life, they're able to enter into and stay in recovery. And this is why TV advertisers do what they do when they advertise it. Um, for example, uh, for insurance, um, mayhem, right? You, you know that's an insurance commercial. Uh, flow, with, you know who flow is with the blue and the white. And what that's about is when you need insurance, they want you to remember because they repeat those commercials over and over and over. They want you to remember, oh, I remember Flo. I'll give Larry Talbert a call. Progressive. And similarly with the Bible, repetition will help us retain God's Word. So we, we don't just read stuff once. We read it more than once. Repetition is the beginning of, of study, effective study. Concentration seems... Seems obvious, right, that you, in order to retain and, and in order to study, you need to concentrate. You have to focus on what you're doing. Concentration centers the mind, keeps you from being distracted by every little thing. We center our, mind, our, our, our attention upon Scripture and our purpose when studying. And it applies to many things. But for us, we need to find ways to minimize distractions and increase concentration. It's why some folks have... Uh, a set-aside place for their study where it's quiet and they, can, and, and they can concentrate. So repetition and concentration, but then comprehension comes in. John says it's not just the truth, but the not, you will know the truth, that knowledge of the truth is what sets us free. We have to understand what we are reading and what we're studying. I mean, have you ever come across words you don't know? Have you ever had words you couldn't pronounce? Amen to that, right? Have you read a passage over and over and still had a question about it? We all go through these things. And we have a choice when this happens. Do we just go on? Which is not uncommon. It's like, okay, that, I don't get that. It's confusing me. I'll get back to it another time. I'm going to move on. And we can do that. That's one of the choices. Or... We can linger and learn by going deeper. We can linger with the passage and sit with it for a while and reflect on it and learn as it takes us deeper, do a little side study. See, depth of study is transformative and necessary. We're seeking to comprehend God, the one who is beyond our comprehension, and that's why it takes humility to engage in study. We, have, we need to grab hold of humility. We, we're trying to know as much as we can about the one who is unknowable. It's beyond us. And that starts from a place of realizing that we just don't have all the answers and we aren't going to have all the answers and that's okay. From that place of humility, we're able to go into study humbly and be available to learn all that we can from God. And that's one of the reasons why there's so many um, other resources that help us, a Bible dictionary, a concordance, Bible study guides, commentaries, topical guides, spiritual mentors in your life. I hope you have mentors in your life. Uh, small group, you need uh, to be in a small group to, to have the feedback 
and any and others that are going to help you on your journey. Hear this. We are not alone in the journey unless we choose to be alone. We are not alone in the journey unless we choose to be alone. So we have repetition to help us in study. Concentration so that we can be clear about study. Comprehension so that we can understand and reflection. It divine, it, which defines for us the significance of what we're reading. See, reflection means we, we begin to see the passage from God's perspective. We, we begin to put ourselves as best we can in that position. We, we see how, how we fit into what we're reading, how it affects us emotionally, spiritually. When we engage and study it, it, we go deep. Consider this, the difference between a strong and a weak cup of tea. The same ingredients, water and tea, are used for both. The difference is that a strong cup of tea results from the tea leaves immersion in the water longer, which allows the water more time to get into the tea and the tea more time to get into the water. And the longer that steeping process goes on, the stronger the cup of tea. And in the same way, the length of time we spend in God's Word determines how deeply we get into it and it gets into us, right? We want, God's, we want to enter into God's Word so, so that we can get into it, but we also want God's Word to enter into us. So we sit with it and we get in, we, 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 we wait on it and we learn from it. The longer we're in the Word, the stronger we become. I'm a little teapot, short and stout, right? No? Repetition, concentration, comprehension, and reflection help us with study. Let me close with this. See, there's a basic difference between an explorer and a tourist. The tourist travels quickly, stops at points of interest. Those highlights, those highly publicized or, or, or uh, noticeable points of interest. Bam, bam, bam. And it's cool, right, when you're a tourist because you don't really have any responsibility. You're just kind of floating through. The explorer, on the other hand, takes his time to search out all that he can find, to learn as much as he can, to engage in the culture and the place and get to know people, and get to know the culture and who, who it is that he's, he or she is hanging out with. Too many of us read the Bible like a tourist and then complain that our devotional times are fruitless. Too many, there's too many tourists in the church. We need more explorers. It's necessary that we take time, that we make time to explore the Bible, to reach for the depth that God is calling us to. So my hope and prayer for us as a congregation as we seek to enter into the place God would have us that we would explore Scripture, that we would explore our relationship with Christ, that we would explore loving God and loving our neighbor and what that means and looks like in our life, that we would get beneath the surface, that we would commit ourselves to study God's Word, to allow Him to call us out upon the waters into the great unknown where feet may fail, where we can find God in the mystery, in oceans deep, where our faith will stand. We're called to deep water.